In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lent is only a few days away, and uh, we may be asking ourselves now, well, what are we going to do about this Lent? What ways are we going to prepare ourselves for Easter? And doubtless we are thinking about cutting down in one way or another in food. That can be a good thing to do. And other ways. And I want to talk about a subject this morning which might be something to help us in our observance of Lent. And I want to talk about humility. Because one way which would be very good for all of us to observe Lent would be to do something about mortifying our pride. Uh, there can be a danger of eating too little. There can be a danger of doing, overdoing other forms of penance sometimes. But there's no danger of becoming too humble. You can't be too humble. You may try to be humble in the wrong way, but true humility, that is something we always need to grow in. Jesus said, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So what we want is the Lord to teach us himself about humility, teach us through his spirit. So just let's say a little prayer, asking the Lord this morning. Jesus, we ask you to speak to us through your spirit today, to help us to become more humble, to show us where we are suffering from pride, to show us where you're calling us to mortify our pride, Jesus, only you can teach us, lead us through your spirit. Jesus, lead us now. Teach each one of us. And Lord, anything which I say which is not of you may be forgotten. And anything which is of you may bear the fruit you want it to bear. Amen. And I'm going to start by saying a little about what humility is not. Because people can have very false ideas of humility. Humility is not an inferiority complex. It's not, I'm no good, I'm unlovable, God has never used me, God could never use me, I have no gifts, God could not give me any gifts. I'm a failure. I could never be used to, used to heal anybody, I could never be used to spread the gospel. That is not true humility. And it's because of that that I chose you know, the gospel which I did today, you know, where Our Lady praises God. She praises God for all the good things he's done in her and through her. Let's just hear that again. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has regarded the lower state of his handmaiden for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And there's much of that which each one of us can say, or should be able to say, in our own degree and way. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. It's not us, it's him. He has done great things for us. You see, true humility, authentic humility, is based on truth. It's not sort of pretending that God hasn't given you this gift if he has, that God hasn't used it in that way if he has. It's based on truth. But the truth includes the fact that we're all sinners, deep sinners. 
And the truth includes above all our total dependence on God for everything. And that all the glory goes to him. All the credit goes to him. It's all praise to Jesus. And there's no reason for us to be praised for anything. The glory of the praise is all his. That is true. And the next thing I want to say is we all have a problem with pride. Some people may have much greater problems than others. Hopefully we have less of a problem with pride than we used to have. But we all have problems of pride because original sin goes so deep in each one of us and pride is at the center of sin. And we shall be only finished with our problem of pride when we get to heaven, when we leave this earth. So, we are all involved. You know the person who's a difficult person to help is the person who thinks they have no problem of pride. Now, sometimes somebody comes to peace and says, well, Father, you know, well, I'm a humble person. <laughs> it's difficult for the confessor to know what to say after that. You know, you can gently suggest that perhaps they're not entirely perfect in humility. We all have a problem with pride and our pride causes frictions and disunity. You know, we had that word later, earlier this morning about unity in families. Pride causes the breakup of families. Pride causes trouble in the parish, in religious communities, at work situations. Pride causes wars between nations, frictions between races, classes. And pride also causes problems in the charismatic renewal. And our pride, because I'm speaking this morning mainly to people involved in the charismatic renewal, our pride helps to put other Christians off the charismatic renewal sometimes. Mind you, their pride also might help to keep them out of it. I'm not saying the pride is all on one side. But our pride helps to keep people out. We have all put people off or help to put people off the charismatic renewal through our pride. And our pride prevents God from being able to use us as he would like to. It prevents God giving us the gifts he would like to sometimes. You know, perhaps God would sometimes like to give Don Benedict more gifts in a certain direction, but God says, well, I can't because his head would swell so much that it would burst. Sometimes God would like to use us more powerfully, like to do wonderful things to us, like to give us more gifts, and he can't because we would take the glory to ourselves. You know, I know somebody with a great international ministry of healing, not a Catholic, and God in a particular country used him for a very, very remarkable miracle. And he said this in a public meeting. He said, but I didn't give all the glory to God and he has closed the door to my ministry in that country because he realized he hadn't given all the glory to God. Now, I'm going to go through a certain number of practical points, guidelines, if you like, about pride. And uh, remember that pride has many forms. Some people have pride, pride in their looks. Well, I've never had a particular great temptation in that field. <laughs> Some people have pride in their strength, their class, their education, their money, their jobs, their possessions. Their spiritual pride. Spiritual pride of being a charismatic when others aren't. And I have a temptation of pride, which I think no one else in the room has. Can you guess what that is? Clerical pride. 
clerical pride. You know, all priests suffer from that at times. What does he or she know about it? She's only a layman, fluent, only a layman. Oh, no, I don't think they better do that. You know, I think priests had better do that. Now, in fact, very often they know much more about it than we do, particularly if it's a marriage question. And very often they could perhaps do the thing much better. They may have gifts we haven't got and they're less overburdened. What is a great pity sometimes that the laity are prevented from being using the gifts God's given them and the opportunities he gives them because of clerical pride. Not always so, thank God. But anyhow, so you see, we all have our problems of pride. And now I'm going to give you a sober thought. I've written some guidelines. You'll think Lent has come, because there are 12 of them. But I'm going to be very brief. 12 guidelines. One, be aware that you have a problem of pride. That's the first thing. Be aware that you have a problem. Be aware that your motives are imperfect. Your motives for being involved in the leadership in the renewal in your prayer group, exercising this ministry, that ministry, are imperfect. You are also, to some degree, seeking yourself in your ministry in a selfish way, because we all are. I'm not saying that your motives are basically imperfect. If they were, you shouldn't be exercising that ministry. But all our motives are imperfect. And the next thing connected with that, watch out for jealousy and envy in yourself. Notice I say, in yourself. We don't have difficulty in watching out for it in others. But in ourselves, yes, we all suffer at times from jealousy and envy. And if we're deeply involved in the charismatic renewal, that will show itself sometimes in our involvement in the renewal. Watch out for it, beware of it. You know, the person who thinks he is never jealous, he's never envious, that is, the, that is a dangerous person. Because they don't know themselves. Second point, other things being equal, let the other person lead, teach, be in the limelight. Now other things aren't always equal, and therefore sometimes we should do it. But other things being equal, let the other person be in the limelight, lead, teach. Third point, accept the discernment of other suitable people. None of us are the discerner of our own gifts. You know, for many years I've been offering to take over the music ministry and somehow they've failed to discern. But none of us is the discerner of our own gifts. So that needs to be normally for the leaders of the community. And minister under submission. Everybody should be ministering under submission. And the more gifted you are, the more necessary that is. And there's a great safeguard there Safeguard against us going off in our own ideas and doing our own thing as opposed to the thing of the Lord. And we all have those temptations. So we all, it's a wonderful safeguard, it's a wonderful sense of security when you're not just depending on your own likes, desires, urges, but when you are, so to speak, under submission, another suitable person, people say, yes, that is right, go ahead. Great source of relief, confidence. Fourth point, remember that you are not infallible, that you make mistakes. Tom Forrest once gave a talk in England at a leader's charismatic renewal, and he said he thought of writing an immense book, so big that no one would read it. And that book would be on mistakes I have made in the charismatic renewal. 
We all make mistakes. We've all misjudged people and situations. Doesn't mean what we saw was entirely wrong, but we've got part of it wrong. And sometimes the half-truth can be very dangerous. And two, words of knowledge from the Lord, words people wisdom from the Lord. When people think they're getting words from the Lord, and thank God he's giving more and more of these words to people, it's a great blessing, he's doing a good thing there. But we mustn't think these things are, these words are infallible. Otherwise, you might say, you know, there's infallibility on earth when in very restricted circumstances the Holy Spirit speaks through the Pope and through Mrs. X and she has words of knowledge. <laughs> no, our words of knowledge are not infallible. And everybody with that gift sometimes makes mistakes. That's why we need to be checked and helped with others. Point number five, <coughs> remember that you could fall. And quite a lot of leaders in the charismatic renewal have fallen. And people can fall in all sorts of ways or for all sorts of reasons. Because they've taken on things God didn't want them to do. Because they've tried to exercise gifts God hadn't given them. Because they were seeking their own glory, perhaps. People fall. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, St. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Every one of us, yes, thank God for that wonderful treasure he's given us. But remember that we have it in earthen vessels. Be aware of your weaknesses and limitations. We all have weaknesses. We all have limitations. All our ministries are limited. It's a great source of blessing to know one's limitations, to know one's weaknesses, to know when to say to someone, no, that's not my ministry. No, that would be going beyond what God is calling me to do. Point number six, we're getting on, aren't we, towards the twelve. <laughs> do not talk too much about your gifts, your successes. You know, one can very easily say, well, yes, and I talked to that person, they became a Christian, I prayed for that person, they were healed. I went to that church and things came alive. And we can always be talking about our successes and be silent about all those other people we prayed with who got worse. <laughs> Not because we prayed, but we, you know, they didn't get better. Share your failures sometimes. Let people see the true picture. You know, I prayed with a lot of bad... I, I prayed with somebody this last week, a man under 50, religious, uh, with terminal cancer, and we prayed, and you know, it seemed that good things were happening, and then they did a blood count next day, and things were considerably worse. That happens. So don't just say, share the cases when the blood count was considerably better. Share sometimes that they were considerably worse. And don't just witness to your successes, but also to the successes of others. Why talk about, you know, what God has used me to do? Why not talk a bit more about what he's used to use that other man in the prayer group to do? And then do not exaggerate. I read something from America not very long ago, and apparently exaggeration is one of the besetting sins of evangelists over there. And this was in a sympathetic charismatic review. You know, apparently they tend to exaggerate at the number of people present at the meetings, the numbers who came forward to give their lives to Christ, the number of healings and the magnitude of the healings. We can exaggerate on those things. Some people do. And the last point in this field, Name dropping. We can name drop. That's the thing I've had a lot of trouble with in life. I tend to drop names. And we can drop names about people and about places. When I was in 
such and such a place. Now, sometimes we should talk about these things, but sometimes we bring it into the conversation, not because it's relevant to the conversation at all, but so, so that somebody may know that you talked with so-and-so and that you visited such a place. Seven, be very careful about criticizing the ministry of others. Obviously, at times we have to, and perhaps strongly, but be very careful about it, because the devil attacks each one of us and helps us to exaggerate sometimes the weaknesses of others, to sort of pick holes in other people's ministries, and there can be behind that jealousy or envy or pride in one form or another. Be very careful about criticizing other people's ministries. Other groups' ministries, that can be a collective thing. You know, the man who was the last, last head of the Fountain Trust in an, an editorial and reviews, an editorial he was wrote of his review renewal at that time, he, he, he regretted that when he went round the renewal centres in this country, so often they were being negative about each other's ministry. A sort of collective negativeness as well as individual. And now, number eight, a rather different sort of direction. Do not let pride stop you exercising the gifts God has given you or wants to give you. You know, sometimes God wants to give someone the gift of tongues, but they're too proud to sort of risk being a fool for him. Or he wants to give someone the gift of prophecy, but what will people think if I come out, and what will they think if I make a mistake? They don't come out. Or God would like to use someone to pray for healing, but their pride says, no, no, I can't, because if nothing happened, what would they think of me? Sometimes our pride stops us exercising the gifts God would like us to use. Number nine... Again, a rather different sort of point. Recognize the work of the Holy Spirit among Christians not involved in the charismatic renewal. You know, there's a certain sort of language which I regard very unfortunate from that point of view. I don't like the phrase, I'm a born-again Christian. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. We're spirit-filled Christians and they're not. You know, I'm sure that there are many Christians in this country, many Catholics, who wouldn't regard themselves as in any way involved in the charismatic renewal, and who are far fuller of the Holy Spirit than many who are involved in the charismatic renewal, and who in the general New Testament sense of the word charismatic are far more charismatic than many people in the renewal. The Holy Spirit, thank God, is working wonderfully powerfully and, in, and giving wonderful gifts to many people, Christians and Catholics who are not in the charismatic renewal. Recognize the fact. It doesn't mean that those Christians couldn't receive an added blessing if they came into the renewal. It doesn't mean they couldn't receive a further empowering and enrichment. But recognize, thank God, for the good things he's doing in them. The fact that we're in the charismatic renewal does not mean that we are a spiritual elite. We must avoid that sort of thinking and that sort of talking. Now, as a matter of fact, I think other people think we think that much more than, in fact, we do think it. But nevertheless, at times we do think it, because we're sinners, and we need to avoid it. Number 10, and this is for Christians not involved in the charismatic renewal. There are probably quite a number of the people not involved here this morning or on the edge of becoming involved. And I'm challenging with this. Is perhaps pride stopping you from jumping in? Is your pride sort of barrier in this sense that you think, well, and other people think the charismatics are rather a loony lot, rather an emotional lot. I have a reputation for being, you know, a well-balanced person who's sensible and, and straightforward, and uh, I shall lose that reputation. 
If I tell them that my parish priest is involved in the charismatic renewal, he'd say, what, you? I thought you were a sensible person. <laughs> yes, pride can sometimes stop us from jumping in. Number 11, accept humiliation. I don't say seek humiliations in life, even less impose humiliations on others deliberately. But when the humiliations of life come, and they will come, accept them and see them as an opportunity to becoming more like Jesus in humility. You see, there's so much pride in each one of us that if we don't receive humiliations in life, we probably shan't grow very much in humility. And so these humiliations are wonderful golden opportunities of becoming more like Jesus in humility. Accept them in that way. Don't kick against them. It may be that the person or people who caused the humiliation were wrong. They may have been entirely wrong. The accusation may have been unjust. You may have been wrongly overlooked. But accept it. Thank God for it. An opportunity becoming like Jesus in humility. You know, we had in the first reading, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. Our job is to humble ourselves, leave the exaltation to God. Our job is to humble ourselves. The, the exaltation back to God, as far as it's useful for his kingdom. And point number 12, repent of pride and pray for the gift of humility. Oh, that seems so obvious, but how much do we do it? Repent of our pride and the things which go with it, like jealousy, envy, self-seeking. Repent of it. Go on repenting. Repent ever at a deeper level. We all need to do that. And you know, the more gifted someone is, the more necessary it is to repent of their pride. Great gifts are a call for great humility. Great gifts need great humility. So where is that call to growing repentance for our pride? Throughout this life, we're always called to grow in repentance for our pride. There can't be too great an authentic repentance for our pride. We don't want repentance for false pride, so to speak, but or repentance for pride, and then pray for the gift of humility. You know, I advise members of various healing teams with, with which I'm associated to say part of the litany of humility of Cardinal, Beri Cardinal Meridel Val every day particularly in connection with their healing ministry, because that's a ministry which can particularly easily lead to pride. And I say it every day because I need to say it every day. I need to say it. So I would advise that, you know, many of us perhaps to think each, each day some little prayer or prayers or part of that listening. Pray for yourself, you know, that you may grow in humility. Pray for it. We need to pray for it. Jesus said, ask and will be given you, and he'll give us more humility when we really ask for it. But you know, humility is a very beautiful gift. It's a very wonderful gift. It's a joyful gift. You know, when we're humble, we're much more joyful in life. Because all these sort of burdens of pride, all the frictions which rise within us, the thoughts go round about this person or that person because of our pride, they take away our joy, they take away our peace, they make life wretched. So the humble person is a joyful person. Humility is a very beautiful virtue. It's a wonderful thing. And a humble person is a very great blessing in any community. Whether it's in a marriage or whether it's in a prayer group or in a religious community, the humble person is a blessing in that community. 
And the proud person, or at least one of us, insofar as we're proud, proud, that is a problem. And you know, humility is a wonderful protection against the enemy. In that first reading, remember that we have that part which is read in Compline, you know, uh, but resisting the devil, who seeks wh- whom he may devour. The devil's always seeking whom he may devour. When we're humble, he can't get hold of us. When we're humble, he's nothing to hold on to. But insofar as we're proud and when we're proud, then he's got a handle to take hold of. Then he can enter in. Then you get divisions and difficulties and frictions in prayer groups and everywhere else. So perhaps for Lent, each one of us can think about mortifying our pride. Perhaps that's something the Lord might be calling each one of us to do something about this Lent. Let Jesus liberate us from our pride purifies of our pride. That's a beautiful thing. We can't do it. We can't do it. But we can hand over our pride to him in repentance and let him cleanse us, purify us, make us humble. And you know, we ask him to do this and then he can bless us more abundantly and use us more. You know, when we don't exalt ourselves, when we ask him to purify us in this way, he can use us more powerfully. He can give us greater gifts. He can enrich us. He can make us more truly human, more wonderfully human. He can make us more real men and women. And he will. Jesus is longing that we grow in humility so that he can bless us and enrich us and empower us. You know the beatitude, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Other translations have blessed are the humble for they shall inherit the earth. That's it. You know, as we become humble, we're blessed by him and we can enter into his inheritance a joyful thing, a wonderful thing, a blessed thing, and lives which are really fruitful in the service of the Lord. So let's just have a moment of silence and we come before him, repenting of our pride, asking him to show us perhaps any particular areas where he wants us to grow in humility, asking for that gift. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for now. We thank you for giving us a clearer vision of ourselves. We thank you for drawing us into a period of repentance. For indeed we are able to see you more clearly. We thank you for enhancing our vision of you that you are the Lord our God and we come before you knowing that you are the sole being in all our lives you are the Holy One of Israel and we put forward our petitions to you we praise you for the first moment of creation when you brought into being this beautiful universe and we ask you Father, Son and Holy Spirit to be continually with us to continue to bless and make fruitful this world. Lord, hear us. Lord, we praise you for your peoples, for the nations of the earth, for their individuality, their characteristics, their languages. We praise you for the way that you have endowed them and blessed them. And we ask you, O God of peace, 
to bestow your peace upon every nation and may your peace be in every corner of this your universe and in the hearts of all nations and all peoples. Lord, hear us.
from our sleep and become alive for him. This village of Kuru, they said, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. <coughs> I think whatever we're feeling this morning, the great news today is that the Lord is with us and that his name is higher than any other. Number 46. <laughs> Thank you. 